0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Say Pod. I am your host, Stephanie Timmy, and today we're going to be talking about GDPR. So what is GDPR and what does it mean for the UK post-Brexit? So today I'm joined with Harry. And before I start, I'm just going to let Harry introduce himself.
1: Hi, uh, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is uh, Harry Boje. Uh, I've been around... Uh, IT for a very long time and um, I worked as a system administrator up to uh, now doing business analysis and service transition in the last three four I would say four years I've been involved heavily on GDPR uh, I've helped organizations uh, getting close to compliance from being a business analyst to uh, being as SME and the last four five roles I've been a data protection officer and chief privacy officer for major uh, organization charity local authorities and and manufacturing company
0: Thank you very much. So for those who don't know, GDPR is a data protection regulation act. Now, Harry, why did you decide to get into data protection?
1: Um, I think I think it was more of we call it coincident. Uh, I was into information security, so I met a friend. Uh, then back in 2016, we discussed this uh, GDPR. That's a new regulation that will be coming in to be heavy. Uh, and then I thought I should just read around it. Have uh, did a course uh, in, in GDPR. And luckily, after my training, I had the chance of working for a local authority as a business analyst to help them uh, comply with, with the regulations. So uh, I stumbled into uh, uh, data protection, but I would say uh, it's one of the good areas that I've stumbled into in terms of my career. Uh, it's been so interesting and so enjoy- enjoyable because um, it's a whole different ball game for every organization now to, uh, to look at.
0: Thank you very much for that. I think when people hear the word GDPR it's kind of this sensational word that has been used and I think people don't really truly understand what it means. So how would you describe what is GDPR in your own words?
1: I would say GDPR is a regulation that was brought in for uh, individuals, yourself and myself. Uh, So we have the right to to tell organizations how they process our data, how they handle our data. Um, And because it's a buzzword, it's been around for some time. It was called, it used to be directive, which means each member state, what I mean, European member states should have the right to... um, interpret it to meet their local laws. But when it became a regulation it, it became mandatory that everybody need to comply with what that regulation say. There's no there's a few way for uh uh call derogations, uh, but it's specifically that for me and for yourself and myself to tell organization how they will handle our data and organization is responsible for handling our data properly, telling us what they do with our data.
0: Okay. Well I think with well, the GDPR, it's a European law. And I know in the UK, there's a Data Protection Act um, 2018. And that has to do more with the implementation of data rights in the UK. How does it differ from the GDPR Act?
1: Okay. In terms in terms of, 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 of the difference, um, there's, there's no much difference between the current... Uh, uh, Data Protection Act of 2018 and GDPR. So what Data Protection Act of 2018 has done is taken GDPR and put it into the UK law. Mm. So if you read if you read um, the 2018 Act, you see that it's mentioned a lot of GDPR, what GDPR enf- enforces is on the article. So if we, if we step back a bit, it used to be the, GDPR, uh, the Data Protection Act of uh, 1998. That was when it was the directives. So meaning we could interpret GDPR to meet our local our local laws, or rather the data protection then to meet our local laws. But now GDPR is kind of mandatory. Hence the UK government have uh, embedded it into our local laws. That's why the 2018 uh, came up. So it's it's, it's it, there's not so much difference in the sense that your data rights your privacy, how you handle data is the same, but we just added our local laws onto it. say, for example, in the age uh, age of consent, which is 13. Uh, GDPR says it's between 13 and 16, but the UK tagged it at 13. So it's just slight variations uh, from GDPR.
0: Okay. I think when we are having a discussion of privacy and, and GDPR, People, I think, are not aware of the importance of the GDPR and in your experience, why do you think it's important or why do you believe that this particular privacy law came into place?
1: I think, I think it's just, it's just uh, basically how uh, organizations handle your personal data. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past, I don't think uh, we as individuals have a right uh in terms of our our uh, the kind of data organization collected on, on our behalf mm-hmm. say for us take for example if you give your uh, insurance your information in regard to say they want to use it for uh give giving you uh insurance code for example uh in the past they will send on those data uh to other organization to be to be used for other purposes But gdpr specifically says now if you collected the, the data just for say you want to give me insurance quote that is only what you're going to use it for um, because that is what you collected it for so that is the most important people should be aware of and gdp owner also states that you can request from organizations to tell you the kind of information they hold about you, and you can actually tell them that you want them to delete those information. You don't want them to hold such information about you. So basically GDPR gives individual uh, a whole full right on how to tell organisation what they do with their, with, with, with their data.
0: And you know, what I like that you said about that was it, it kind of puts the topic of privacy and the power of the users because before the gdpr a lot of people will sell data and i think it's kind of manifest when we type in something on google and all of a sudden we see that thing that we have searched coming up in different adverts for example and people may not be aware that actually although that this is happening and if you're concerned about it you have the right like you said to message the company and ask what data do you have on me and you know how how can you give me that data and how can I, I guess, respond to that in terms of those data relations. I think in a previous discussion I had with somebody, she talked about how she went to Google to ask about what data they had of her and she did their right to be forgotten policy Mm -hmm. where she asked them to delete the records they had of her on Google. So this is not something that is reserved for small to medium sized businesses you can go to big corporate giants or social media giants like twitter like instagram google facebook to ask them what data do you have on me so that you're aware of the kind of data they have on you you can also be aware of what do you do next is it a thing where you want them to delete those data or maybe there are certain parts of those data that you would like to remain but also some you'd like to delete in, and although the law is there I don't think people are really using it to the best of its ability if you know what I mean
1: I th- yeah i think you i think you're right that's uh, that's all boils down to all this awareness uh in terms of, of gdpr uh it's not only for organizations uh to comply we as individual also should be looking at that um i think you mentioned in the case of of, of google mm. um yeah some certain information that in google that might not be correct about you because you as an individual who go deep into the uh, the regulation, you have six uh your, your, your subject assets uh, right you have about six of six of them and you can request organization to uh, to either forget you, erase you, or correct the information they have. Uh, but, uh, however. It, it doesn't necessarily mean that the organization we have to do that a bit it, 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 it now depends on those individual uh, records that is there say for example uh, i got out somebody who asked me to say um, they had an issue back in the days where uh, when they were young they, 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 they had it, uh, something with uh, the transport for london and they had kind of a confrontation on and then i posted on on um on uh, the evening standard what he's trying to do now is to say they want want google to forget about that data Mm -hmm. however uh because google is not using consent to process those data they now turn out to say yes it is of the public interest to know so it is not necessary everything that can be erased from google so that just just to point out so each organisation will have what we call the lawful basis of processing, mm-hmm. and they can say, uh, yes, we keep this of information based on the public interest. So you will not have right to delete that. They might restrict the processing, mm-hmm. but they will not they will not uh, uh, delete it. So it is not necessary what we call the right to be forgotten, which is one of the lawful ba- uh, the right of the data subject. It is not necessarily mean the right to be forgotten. Organisation might have other lawful basis of processing those data.
0: Hey, that's actually a very good point to note that yeah. everything although the law is there and the power is given not everything can be deleted uh, yes. businesses and corporations still have the right to use their discretion to understand okay does this need to be forgotten or does this need to I guess in the case that you gave in the, because it is in the public interest they have to yeah. let that data remain yeah. so, I think people might be interested in what other privacy laws are there, apart from GDPR?
1: Um, this, uh, GDPR, have, I think I've set a, a standard. Yeah. Uh, you will see a lot of uh, privacy law coming in. And you have the, uh, the California uh, Consumers' Right, which is the CCPA. Yeah. Um, you, you, you've got... Um, uh, privacy laws coming across the world. For example, you have the Brazilian uh, privacy law as well. Uh, if you move to Africa, you have the Nigerian one, you have the uh, Kenya, uh, you have Singapore, you have Japan. So GDPR have actually brought... Data protection has been there for a very long time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but people have not taken it serious. Or well, GDPR has not brought this seriousness in terms of uh, the right of of, of, of data protection. Uh, so I think that is where you're now seeing all kinds of laws springing up across across the world, which is only um, going to be uh, better for the individual. But how stringent other laws is, it's yet to be seen. But I think it's GDPR that is the main focus everybody's looking at because it's, it's quite um, it's quite stringent and they have started finding organisations and, and all that. So everybody's taking it uh, serious now.
0: Uh, I think what I like about that is that GDPR has created this conversation where a lot of companies might decide, okay, if the data policy is very strong in the UK in the UK and in Europe, they might go to other developing countries hoping to um, take advantage of the lax laws. Yeah. And with what you're saying is that now developing nations such as Nigeria, Kenya, um, and maybe Brazil, are starting to realise, actually, no, we also need to follow this blueprint and ensure that our consumers and our you know inhabitants are not being exploited
1: yes i think i think that i think that's what uh, what most of these developing nations are doing yeah it would be it would be difficult for them to, uh, to, to 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 fully comply because because of the, uh, the 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 structure each each country has but at least this is it this is it this is Step towards protecting those those uh, individuals' data. Yes, it, it is a baby step, if I will use that word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think those countries are going to get to it because, uh, in terms of GDPR, if you are dealing with those countries, which are what we call it third countries, uh, you have to put those safeguards in place. And so, for those people outside of the European Union or the EEA, they're still looking at GDPR, most of those regulations is kind of what I call a copycat of GDPR, but at least it's gradually working in those uh, society, so everybody um, needs to know their rights in terms of, 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 of data protection or how they handle their, uh, their data. Okay,
0: and I think I want to start moving on to discuss the elephant in the room. which of course is brexit and there's a lot of discussions on especially when we discussed about the data protection act of 2018 embedding a lot of the gdpr laws that what is the future for privacy laws and i think now we can see a lot of things are changing in regards to human rights and things of that nature in the uk what do you think um, or how do you think data protection will be affected by Brexit in the UK? Um,
1: I think it will not be much, will, you will not see much effect on, on in terms of we leaving the EU, uh, because currently you have what we, call, we are still in, in the transition period up, up till December uh, 2020. Um, before then, it is business, I'll call business as usual. Uh, As if we are still in the EU, Uh, but by by the time we leave finally at the 20th, uh, after the transition period, that is where organization is going to mainly deal with organization. So organization will now have to put things in place to see how they transfer data between um, the EU and the UK. Uh, There's what we call adequacy. So the GDPR have certain countries that they've given adequacy. What that means is they don't need to put anything in place uh when they're trying to transfer data between the EU and that country uh, since we've gone out we are now bec- we're now a third country so which means we have to now apply for that adequacy how long that will take is yet to be seen if we get it it's also uh open to discussions because there are certain uh criteria that need to be met as well you mentioned uh the human rights um uh, act i think the conservative or that the, the, the government now are thinking of uh, reviewing that and moving out of that, that might be an issue. Mm-hmm. The surveillance law um, in terms of CCTV and other things, how we use it in the UK is another area of contention. So. Things will remain the same to December, and after December, organization will have to put uh, measures in place. Like, for example, maybe you want to use standard contractual clauses to transfer data. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you want, to, as an organisation, want to use what we call the binding corporate rule. So, your organisation here in the UK, and if it's, it's in the, uh, uh, say, for example, in Germany or in France, you're using that binding corporate rule. So, meaning you all you all are seen as one organisation, even if even though you are outside uh, of, of of the EU. So. The challenges will come after uh, 20, uh, uh, December um, of 2020.
0: I think, for me, one thing I picked up from what you said was surveillance, which yeah. I think is such a contentious area, um, especially because there is this fine line between surveillance and human security that's going yeah. on. And in that in that kind of space, do you think that It's going to be something or an area that we kind of need to look out for in terms of where a rapid change might occur in terms of data protection.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that that's where we, we, we're going to look at um, because the, the, I mean, it's not going to change in terms of the UK uh, government what we do in terms of that. Uh, but if we're going to get um, that adequacy decision that we're talking about, that is one of the area. Um, I mean, when they're doing that negotiations, that's one of the areas they will they will look at privacy. Uh, I mean, there's a, there's a fine line between you balancing uh, privacy. Uh, the the data the data subject privacy and and security um, are we saying you were not going to use um, uh, CCTV just because of of the, pri- the privacy of that individual or if you flip it on the other side you say oh it is protecting that individual as well uh, so it, it's going to be a, a fine balance between that um, it, we've seen what CCTV has done um, I mean in terms of the good side of cctv how we i've been able to solve crime or prevent crime mm-hmm. um and also if you look at those people committing those crime are you actually infringing on their right in terms of you getting their image so it's 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 a fine line uh between within privacy and and the data uh subject uh privacy right so in terms of CCTV, when you go around, you see even though they're using CCTV, they'll give you that privacy notice to say we use CCTV in this area, mm-hmm. um, just to notify those individual uh, or we as a public that CCTV is being used here. You should be aware. You should be aware of that. If you don't want to be captured, then you have to leave those area or leave that environment. Yeah, I think it's
0: it's also um, bringing this warning. Similar to when people are If people have events And they say You know Your picture might be taken In this event As a way of yeah. Giving you the choice To whether remain In that area Or to leave
1: Yes, yes. I think that that's um, it. Just, it's just warning the individual that what, what is what is happening generally. Uh, GDPR didn't say, you know, if you look at people who say GDPR say you should not do that, you should not do that. No, it didn't say you should not do it. You should have a reason for doing it. Mm-hmm. And once you have a reason for doing it, then you should have security measures in place to protect that individual that will be coming in contact with your, your processing activities, uh, uh, basically.
0: So we're going to move on to current affairs or, like I say, what's happening in the news. So I think during the transition period, the Information Commissioner's Office states that existing rules on GDPR will continue to apply. And it says that it would be business as usual for data protection. In your, in your opinion, I know we have kind of touched upon this a little bit. Do you really yeah. think it's going to be business as usual, or do you think, in terms of how European companies or other companies that are outside of the UK, how they relate to the UK, might be
1: different? Um, it's it's it, I think it's if we look at it uh, uh, logically, it's supposed to be business as usual. Yeah, but when you brought that up to say uh, would UK be treated differently, it's possible. Yes, to so say okay most people will not understand the transition period uh, they will just think because you're out of the e, uh, eu already uh, so therefore you have to put these things in place um if if i would say i would say it would be business as usual until december uh, de- uh december of 2020. Uh, yes some uk businesses will have difficulty where some member states who don't understand what is going on, we say you, have to, you don't have to do that, you have to put security measures in place. Um, that would be the slight challenge for UK, UK uh, businesses. But I, I, I should think um, all the member states and, and, and the people that will be dealing with the uh, UK would have realized that as well, if they're looking at data privacy. For example, the California uh, Privacy Sheet, for example, uh, the UK government has said that will still uh, be enforceable um, so it, it's now the responsibility of those UK, UK government, uh, UK businesses and businesses in the US to see how uh, they can um, actually uh, adhere to that privacy, privacy sheet because it's, a, it's kind of one of those measures put in place to transfer data between the US and, and the EU and slash uh, the UK, which the UK government have, have still agreed that it's still gonna be uh, enforceable.
0: So we've spoken about I guess this transition period and I kind of wanted us to delve in deeper on what happens after the transition period I know you've brought out some issues sort of um, about surveillance about um, the data protection law being changed slightly so Mm -hmm. in the transition period I think in detail what problems and I guess what opportunities do you see occurring
1: after we leave the EU? So, so, after we leave the EU on the 20th day, the problem organisation, merely organisation, is going to have is um, how, what kind of measures they put in place to transfer uh, to transfer uh, de- data outside the EU. That is, um, that is of course, if uh, there's no final deal. Uh, let me put it: if, if there's a deal, then we don't need to put anything in place. So if by uh, the there's no uh, kind of, they don't agree to that withdraw agreement and in terms of, 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 of the agreement of leaving uh, the, the EU with a the deal, then organization will not have to uh, think of how they put um, uh, technical measures in place to transfer data. For example, are they going to use what we call standard cultural clauses to transfer data? Are you going to use binding corporate rules or alternatively, if you are a uk business and there's no deal what you have to do now is set up what we call according to gdpr uh they represent they said a representative in one of those eu member states so that means that you have somebody that is representing you inside the inside the eu in regard to uh gdpr which is i mean i'm um, in my jargon now, which is all the article 27 uh the organizations which are not established in the eu but are either offering goods and services uh to data uh, data subject or monitoring that behavior would need to set up uh need to have appoint a representative in uh in the eu uh, member state what i'm saying so far is a lot of businesses from or rather law firms from the e, uh, from Dublin, Ireland for example, mm-hmm. are sending information out that they can be representative for you as a company if you have a footprint in the EU.
0: Okay. So in terms, I think we've spoken about the problems if we don't yeah. get a deal. Yeah. What do you see as the opportunities if we do get a deal?
1: well the opportunity remains, remains remains the same so you don't need to change any anything in regard to uh your, your current uh, uh, processing uh, activities or what you do in regard to dealing with businesses outside 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 of the uk uh the opportunity is that things will remain the same you can see just just basically carry on uh with, with what you're doing which a lot of us are anticipating will be the case uh but however you need to prepare uh, for in those in all these scenarios, so the ICO has actually done a lot of jobs on that. So if you go to the ICO website, you will see they've come up with a lot of information, a lot of guidelines on what you need to do uh, in each of those in each of those cases. So um, it, it's just more uh, getting for us getting an awareness of what is going to happen, especially businesses. But us as an individual, we might not see those changes um the only change we might see is that we're dealing with coming to companies in the uk to say do you actually transfer my data outside of the eu when you're doing your your subject access request so all businesses now will not need to put it in their privacy notice if they send data outside of the uk uh, again so it's all kind of um uh, for businesses to now go back to review their privacy notice and their data protection policies to see how they now Making sure that they've um, let their in, uh, their data subject know if they deal with other providers outside of the UK. If, for example, they're the servers of say Amazon, that they that, that, that they, uh, uh, Amazon web services is it in the UK or outside outside of the UK? So that is where businesses need to look at, and they should be currently discussing with their board in terms of what they need to do when the when the uh, Brexit uh, kicked in.
0: Final question, and I think it's because we've spoken a lot about the Data Protection Act in relation to businesses. So, how would you forecast globally the shift of data protection or the effects of data protection acts or privacy laws on individuals?
1: Well, it it would it, be difficult to, uh, to 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 just forecast what might happen. But if we take uh, GDPR into uh, perspective, what has happened in the last uh, three years or thereabout, um, I see it I see it as something uh, that's going to benefit uh, w- we as as individual. Um, and also is going to put the responsibility on on what we call the controllers, which is the businesses, people that are responsible for collecting those data. Uh, The responsibility is now on them to make sure that those data are secured, uh, to make sure that the reason that they're collecting those data, that is what they're using it for, and they cannot just keep those data forever. Uh, Back in the days, you can see people keeping uh, data for 10 years, 20 years for no apparent reason. They just store it. Uh, but now on the under the uh, GDPR, uh, you don't you cannot do that. You have to set it kind of a, called a retention period, how long you want to keep it for. Uh, I think a standard most people use is the banking services. We keep it for six to seven years. and that is what I envisage will happen across the globe. Uh, some areas might be stronger than the other. Uh, but what we'll see as as we go along is, we as individuals, not knowing about what data protection is, how it affects us, and how we can deal uh, with those, uh, those companies that are collecting our data.
0: Thank you so much, Harry, for coming on our podcast. Um, I've definitely learned a lot, and I know that the listeners have also learned a great deal about data protection, and I guess how they can be empowered, like you said, to take ownership of their data and how these companies are dealing with the data. So, I want to kind of finish off with letting people know more about SADIA, this organization. So, we are a social enterprise focused on helping black, Asian, and minority ethnic women build cybersecurity careers. And we do this through events, through webinars. We also have a jobs board. And we're currently running a competition, or I guess, a scheme of of a virtual internship with a Australian company called me security so please please check our website to find out more about the virtual internship and how you can apply we're hoping to let the women know by March the 1st and then it'll be announced publicly on March the 8th on International Women's Day again Thank you so much for listening, Harry. I don't know if you want people to follow you on any social media platforms.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, well, you, you can search my name on LinkedIn. I'm, I'm active on LinkedIn a lot, but um, funny enough, I'm not too it in other uh, social media services. Okay, maybe WhatsApp, for example, on 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 the personal uh, discussions. So yes, um, if you want to follow me on LinkedIn, um, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I do. At times, uh, there's some I speak at e I speak at events as well, uh, so I think I have one coming up sometime in May or thereabout. Uh, but if you look at if you follow me on LinkedIn, you're gonna get all those information. And um, thank you all for uh, for listening to my my ideas in terms of uh, data protection. Uh, this is an area that means uh, so much to me now. So I've been doing that for about four years, so I can I'm not going away from it very soon. <laughs>
0: thank you again and I hope to see you all or I hope to I guess invite you all to our next episode bye